Are you ready for one of the most inspirational interviews we've ever had on the podcast? Other inspirational videos we've had, Chris Vasami, his cancer story, and how he's been able to increase his batting average tremendously while still having cancer. Wowza. We talked to Morgan Stewart about Defense Club and the power of having a positive mindset when all you want to do is give yourself negative thoughts. But this story is a little different. This story is about Kendall Burton. She played at the University of Georgia her final two seasons. But her first year playing in Texas, she had a stroke her freshman year. Right before, right as soon as she got there. And through that, overcame that, hit lights out that next season, and then actually transferred to Oklahoma State where she was not cleared. Because prior to 17, Kendall had had 23 surgeries on a cleft palate, but then also because of her stroke, even though her neurologist had cleared her, Oklahoma State staff did not let her play. And when I say it's staff, it wasn't coaching staff, it was the doctors there. So she transferred again and she went to Georgia. She ended up ending her career playing for the Georgia Bulldogs at the Women's College World Series in 2018. I want you to hear this story from her though. I want you to learn how she's overcome one of the toughest battles ever. How she's taken so many no's and turned them into yeses. How she's still doing that in her career. How her parents were able to help her get through some of the toughest times in her career. She talks about how she's stubborn. Do you think that's one of the biggest benefits she, she has? This is, this is so much fun. It is so much fun diving into an elite athlete who's overcome a ton. So without further ado, the girl who had 23 surgeries by the age of 17, had a stroke at 18 and survived it, attended three universities just to play, and ended her career at the Women's College World Series. Here is my next interview with Kendall Burton. Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart, owner of Ashley B Training, former D1 athlete, and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well. But now I coach athletes and especially youth athletes. And I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just gonna dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm gonna have some of the best softball players, some of the best softball players, parents, even my parents and my family are gonna be on this podcast sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner, so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive and that's why we're here. 
So welcome to this podcast. This is going to get real. This is going to get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here. And I can't wait to hear who else is going to be along this journey with us, learning from some of the best. I'm going to be learning too. So whip out your notebook and let's head to the next episode. Welcome to the conversation. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. How are I'm you? I'm great. I'm super stoked. It's been a long time since I've seen you. So I am super happy to be back in your presence, even if it's virtually. <laughs> I know. Off the cuff, we just talked yeah. for like an hour before we started recording. <laughs> just catching up on life. But no, I wanted to know all the things that you're up to. And I'm excited for some of these things to come up in the conversation that other people can be excited about. So there's one thing that I know you're like so passionate about and it's like literally your life. And whenever you talk about it, you just get so excited and vibrant about this. And it's actually not exactly a happy story, but it's your story and you love to talk about it. You love to share it from your perspective. So to get us rolling, share your story, however long it takes. Don't try to abbreviate it. Like I want to know all the things from your journey from when you started playing to where you are now. Okay, perfect. So I started playing softball when I was eight years old, but my story technically doesn't. It starts way back whenever I was actually first born. And I found softball, number one, because I really needed an outlet. I really needed something that would make me feel alive and really confident. And that's because I was born with a severe unilateral cleft lip and palate. And essentially what that means is I was just, I was born with a hole in my face. This led me down a journey of like 23 surgeries by the time I was 17 years old. And while I was having all of those surgeries done, softball was my main, my number one, like my best friend, my lover, whatever. She was my gal. And It was extremely taxing at times doing all of these surgeries because, you know, while everybody was going off and having vacation after their summer season or they were having like a great winter break after the fall season rolling into the spring, I was having surgery. And so I was just like constantly going, 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 going. And it really hindered my recruiting process. I was told no, no way more times than I was told. Yes. Especially when I was having surgeries and they were like, we don't know if you'll come back or we found somebody while you were recovering, you know, X, Y, and Z. I was offered by one school, one offer the entire time I was going through the recruiting process. So I had my very final surgery when I was 17, my 23rd. And that was a year after I committed to University of Texas at San Antonio. So that is a D1 in Conference USA. And the main reason I had my final surgery in high school was because I didn't want to take that into my college life. I didn't want to have to have surgery Mm -hmm. in the summers, you know, and I was, I still had like four to go. And I was like, no, we're doing them all at one time. I'm done. I want to just like close this chapter of my life, put it on the shelf, read about it sometimes, probably never, and then just like move on with my life. Uh, I didn't want to be a patient anymore was essentially in a nutshell what happened, which is ironic considering that I got to UTSA 
um, in the fall of 2014. Loving it. I mean, the independence of college was made me thrive. Also made me like weirdly sad, but that's just like, I feel like a learning curve for everybody when they get to college. I weirdly liked the 5 a.m. workouts. I was like on my way to working for a starting spot. And then all of that just like kind of came crashing down on me whenever I survived an acute ischemic stroke two months into my freshman year. So an acute ischemic stroke, basically what that means is that I had a lack of oxygen to a certain portion of my brain for X amount of time. Um, I did have a mini stroke two days prior to that, but nobody ever thought that an 18 year old was having a mini stroke at practice. Um, of course not, not to mention my grandfather had just died the day before. So it was just kind of like all of these things leading up to a really traumatic event. I was in the hospital for like five days, five to six days, couldn't read, couldn't write, couldn't talk. But as a miracle, my body was physically fine. Minus just my brain having a giant bruise on it. You know, I was just overly exhausted and like having a nap a lot. Couldn't get my heart rate up too high because I would have a crazy headache, you know. Other than that, physically wonderful. Like he like made a joke saying I could go run a marathon when I left the, the hospital. Mm. But you know, a student comes before athlete when you're in college and always. So then it was a matter of, can I get back into school? went through speech therapy, you know, was working on just spelling the word cat, being able to put words in a sentence and have them make sense and be in the right area, you know, all that stuff. And that was just extremely overwhelming. I felt like I was a toddler in an 18 year old's body and refused to go back home with my parents. They were not happy with that. But to me, it was like, I'd already done all this work from my cleft. Like, I had already done all this work, like to have this new life in San Antonio, because I'm like three hours away in Houston, where I grew up. I was like, I didn't want to just let go of that. I wanted my version of normal to unfold. And so then that just led me down a big journey of recovery. And I enrolled back in the spring of 2015, started every single game for the Roadrunners, got some really awesome accolades. It was just like, you know, the comeback story that I could have couldn't have written better myself, even though I mean I did technically write it because it was me. But uh, <laughs> so then the following year, my sophomore year, basically I was, school was like so hard. I mean I couldn't remember things. My short term memory was really tough. Um, I still was having a really hard time comprehending, like just anything in general. So like, you know, coursework was really taxing. And I just kind of started feeling as if I wanted a lot more and I was working really, really hard for something. And the players around me didn't care as much as I did. And that's not a dig on them. I'm still best friends with half of them. Uh, We just weren't in alignment anymore. So I transferred to Oklahoma State in the fall of 2016. So moved up there, left a really good situation, like a starting spot, best friends, all the things. Moved up there and they told me that they wouldn't medically clear me because my medical history was a liability. Then that led me down a journey of finding anyone else that would clear me. And I mean, I just got told no after no after no. And then Coach Chi at OSU 
was getting, I mean, I didn't know this until honestly recently that he was getting told no over and over and over again on the back end of things too. So, you know, he was really helping me out, trying to help me play anywhere. And right when I was like, all right, I'm going to hang up my cleats. I've done everything I possibly could. You know, I've tried, you know, I did not try. Um, University of Oregon and University of Georgia were like, we'll clear you. You know, I don't really know what's going on here. You're physically fine, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I chose University of Georgia. So I transferred there in January of 17, so like four or five months after I just moved to Oklahoma. I was there for five weeks, got the starting spot, and then just started to choke because I was so stressed out. Like I had just done all this work, and I finally got to like such a great, amazing school in the SEC. Like couldn't believe I was playing there. And then, I mean, I just, I was my own stress ball. I mean, I just, I kind of plummeted. So I lost my starting spot. First time I ever sat the bench and I pretty much sat the bench the entire season. And I was like, never again, never again. Will I do that? I'm not going to waste my few final games. I mean, granted, this is me going in my senior year, but I was like, I can't do that again. Ended up being a starter for Georgia like every game for my senior year, you know, it was just like super incredible. I had a really cool ESPN article written about me, which I still can't believe that that is reality. Like I get to say that I, you know, had a few accolades there, which was super awesome. And I got to take my cleats off at the women's college world series, which is, I mean, the biggest stage that college softball has to offer you. So it was the craziest and emotionally taxing journey I've ever been on but that's essentially my journey within softball and now I coach I'm a fitness instructor uh I you know I'm a studio manager for a fitness place like and I'm working on you know speaking and sharing my story and writing a book and so that's basically where I'm at now it was much longer than I anticipated but here we are so it was perfect. Isn't it kind of ironic that you're you're doing all of these physical activities, you know, post-college and you were told by that OSU person that you couldn't play there? Yeah, I mean, it, it like, was such a big storm. It was just like terrible timing. An athlete right, had passed away right before I got there. And so mm-hmm. I think that led the doctor to be a little bit um, hesitant, but also he never called my neurologist in San Antonio. He never spoke with my parents. I mean, there was so many things that, you know, and all of my tests came back clear. Like he made me go test after test after test. And then he just like, he couldn't, he just couldn't clear me. And I was like, I, yeah. I mean, it, I was, it was, completely out of my hands. I know none of us had an option other than just listening to him. I think the most inspiring thing is the fact that so many things along that journey were out of your control. Like that person saying no, it happened to like turn into the most beautiful thing, you know, like because of that no. So over and over and over in your career, you've had to deal with people saying, nope, you know, you're not gonna be able to do this. It's not gonna be able to work. You sat the bench for a year at Georgia and you were like, screw this. There is another option. I, I am Kendall Burton. I know what I'm worthy of. And you like stepped into yourself in a way that like, do you feel like it's because of the defeat? You could, you could have, how do I describe this? Because of the no's, you were like, no, I have it in me. Like, how did, how did that come out of you? You know, 
I honestly think that I just had, I'm really stubborn, which I think has something to do with it. I don't like being told no. <laughs> um, it's mm. almost like if I'm telling myself no, then it's because I literally don't have any more left in the tank. But it's like when someone tells me no, it's more of like, I don't want to just believe them. And it's like, well, let me try and see. And then if I get a no, then okay, then it's a no. But it's like, it was just always this like, okay, you're saying that, but can I really? It was more of like, it was almost like testing a theory, I guess is how it felt. Because it was like, okay, you're telling me this, but it's like, is that actually the case? And so I feel like I always just wanted to try and see if that was actually a fact versus just what somebody was telling me. Because even after my stroke, I mean, you can ask my parents, like they were like, we didn't think that you were ever going to come back. And that wasn't because they didn't believe in me. It was more of, we just wanted to be like healthy and alive and be able to just like live, not, you know, you're setting the bar really high saying that you're going to come back and you can't even tell me you like, I hear what you're saying, but it doesn't make any sense. Like what you're even saying to me, like this goal that you have. So I think it was more mm -hmm. of just like, testing it out and seeing what I really was made of. And then I just started to learn like, Oh, you're actually made up of a lot more than I thought. Let's just keep going. Um, so I think yeah. it was more of just trying and that's what I want other people to do. Don't just like take someone else's mm -hmm. no, like actually find out if it's a no and then you can move on. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So my question is then, if you are, you know, an athlete who gets told no, like I literally just met with an athlete this week that said, I was just cut by a team. The coach said I wasn't good enough. Like from the experiences you've had, what would be your first action if that had happened to you? Well, that's actually a fun fact. I have been told no. Uh, before UTSA offered me, they told me that I was only good enough for a walk-on spot. Six months before I got the offer, they told me that, they didn't really? think that I could hit in Conference USA. And, of course, that, Didn't you crush it? You yeah, crushed it. Like, literally. So, <laughs> it's ironic. It's, like, all of the... It's ironic. But when I was told that no, I was like, okay, cool. I'll find something else. Like, it was more of... That hurt me. But it was more of, like, okay, this is person is seeing something that I'm not in myself. So, maybe I do need to get better at hitting. Like maybe what I'm doing is not as good as I think it is. And so it was, I went on a journey of, okay, and then I'll be a better hitter, but I don't want to play for UTSA. <laughs> like, you know, in my mind, I was like, fine, I'll just prove them that I actually can do that. But mm -hmm. it was just like the digestion of criticism that I didn't want to hear. So my, my best advice is, okay, ask them why you're not good enough. What, what are the things that you have to be better at? And then you get to go on your own journey. And then all of a sudden you're better at these things and you end up on a better team. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of mm -hmm. like, it's, I mean, all criticism is good criticism and it's taken the right. right way and also given the right way is how I feel right. about it. So my personal advice to that player is figure out what the problem was and then try and work on that. And also there's mm -hmm. always somewhere else to play. I mean, like in this sport, it's small and our, like to the whole world, it's small. But 
to us, like there's always another opportunity somewhere. Right. How much of that journey had to do with you knowing your physical body and what it was capable of? I mean, I keep going back to that, that doctor saying you couldn't play, but like you had to have known in your body that you were fine for you to be able to look for another doctor. Yeah. You know? So the OSU, like him telling me, I'm not clearing you, like you're a liability. I have one doctor like look me in the eye and say, you will have another stroke. You can never play a college athletics again. And I was like, oh my God, that's not true. But I mean, what am I saying to this person is how it felt. And it was more ironic. I feel like, cause I was, you know, two years prior to that, I wasn't capable. Like my body wasn't ready to do all these things. Like that was out of my control. And then all of a sudden my body wasn't failing me. I was in complete control of it. I was healthy. I was strong. And I was having someone tell me that that wasn't the case. And it was honestly me having to do physical things to remind myself, like, you are capable. This is not going to happen again. Like just walking or running or going to the gym and stuff. It was like, that's my muse. Hence why I literally am doing all this physical stuff as work. (laughs) Um, That Mm -hmm. brings me like, that's my meditation. (laughs) As weird as that sounds, like I have more clarity when I'm take pushing my body to another limit that I didn't know I could get to because that just reminds me how strong I am. You know what I mean? It's like, I have to constantly do things like that to have that reminder in my brain. That's the only way I can function, which is why quarantine really like hurt me. I'm supposed to be strong. I don't remember. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) But it was the reminder that my body was strong. I had, I had to give it that Mm -hmm. reminder versus like, cause your brain will mess you up. Your brain will tell you you can't do it. For sure. It's so funny you said that because literally this morning, I, I've been doing a lot more upper body workouts lately. I mean, I have to fit into a wedding dress later this year. So like, (laughs) let's pump, like, let's push some weights. Uh, But I finally like started to notice like a little more definition that like I've had in the past year. And like, all of a sudden I was just like, I feel good. Like, I feel like you were saying, it's just when you push your body to its limit and you like start to see it, you just start feeling stronger, you know? And just like overall, you're just in a better mindset. So it makes all the sense in the world why this is your profession now. Also, congrats. That's a great small victory. (laughs) Like, that's awesome. (laughs) Thanks. It's definitely a whole nother world that I'm not used to and spending a lot more money than I'm used to. So here we are. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay. So on a brighter note, you talked about how you got to finish your career in the Women's College World Series. Like the dream, literally girls listening to this and parents of girls who would, who would die to have that happen to them. Tell me about the Women's College World Series. What was it like for Uh, you? Surreal. I remember thinking that I wasn't hype enough like when I got there, I remember being like, okay, you're not emotional enough. You're not excited enough. Like what's wrong with you? Um, I remember like having conversations like that with me, with myself. And I was like, Kendall, what do you, hello, wake up is how I felt. <laughs> but it was, you know, and I finally, we were having practice because you need know, to practice. Basically everyone has like a slot to practice before the tournament actually starts. And I remember like I was getting fly balls in right field and I was like, you're not, you're not overly excited. You're not freaking out because this is what all of this is leading up to. 
you know, like the journey mm-hmm. and the hardship and the thick of it, the scary fog and the smoke that you had to go through to get here was like so worth it. And now you're just here and I could have cared less. I mean, we went two and out. We got run rolled the first game. I mean, not even kidding. And it was just like the fact that you're even here is magic in itself. And our team was not, I mean, it was a shocker that I even made it there. We lost our ace pitcher who was an All-American a week into conference. So it was like the whole mm. team was just like gritty and wouldn't take no for an answer. And so I think being a part of a team like that and then showing up there, knowing that we really didn't know how far we could go, it didn't matter. Like, it really didn't matter because we had gotten there and the journey was honestly almost more fun than being there. And I know that sounds terrible, Mm -hmm. like, to say, but once we got there, it was, I I didn't care that we got enrolled. I didn't care that we lost. Like, being on that stage was, it put so many things in perspective. And I'll never take that moment or the, those games for granted because of how hard it was to get there. And I'm sure every person who's been in the World mm-hmm. Series can relate to that. Like knowing like, oh my, I can't believe we just did it. We're the top eight. Like, how do we do this? Like, we're here. It was just almost like, an, it's unexplainable magic. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm just ranting at this point, but it was just, that's the only way I can describe it is the journey getting there was um, incredible and it was just magic no matter what would have happened once we got there it was just so magical it makes it hard to yeah, describe I just, I, we've all been yeah, there before like a disney movie <laughs> i don't know it was like one of those like <laughs> yeah so did you have like a favorite part from the whole thing like the best part can you think of something that you know you didn't expect to happen maybe and you're like this just happened and or maybe just being there was uh, that? Yeah, the best part for me was my final at bat. It was the bottom of the seventh, and we were down by three runs, and uh, I let off the inning. And, I mean, I, I knew that that was most likely my last, my last at bat ever. Like, I, it wasn't like I'm being negative or anything. It's not like we couldn't, we couldn't make a comeback, but it was like the odds at that time, that was my last at bat. And the emotions walking into it, I was so clear. It was, it, I don't even know how I had a hit. Like I, cause I, I walked up there knowing this is your last at bat. Like I remember having a conversation with thinking to myself, like your clock is ticking. Like this timer is about to go off. Like you're about to be done. And I remember thinking that like during my at bat and I was like, how are you having this conversation with yourself and you're not crying and you're also focused on the pitching, like your pitch recognition right now. Like I was like, whoa, but I got a base hit single and there's a recording. And then I kind of got choked up and you could see me like, like taking a deep breath. Like, okay, that just happened. Like you can't lose it yet. You know, it's not, we still have other batters, but you know, being able to like finish my career, like knowing that that was my last at bat is special to me. Cause a lot of people don't, don't get that. Like, they're just like, Oh my God, that might like, they don't realize that that's their last at bat. So that was my personal dose of like my favorite part. Yeah. Wow. That reminds me of Amanda Lorenz's last at bat. Did you watch that? Do you remember what happened for her? I did watch it, but I don't remember. I'm a terrible person. I'm actually friends. No, 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 no. You're not terrible. 
I just happened to, I interviewed her like last summer in like an Instagram live and she told me this story. But like, I remember watching her last at bat and it was like another one of those moments where you're just like, this is probably it, right? And like, all I want to know is what she's thinking. So she was talking about how like, it was like this weird, clear vision of this is it, let's go out. Like, it's just like, if only every at bat could feel that way. It was, like, it was just like, <laughs> like, whatever. We would crush it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And she ended up hitting, and this is why I talked about it with her. She ended up hitting like a line drive straight, I think, to the left fielder. Great hit, but like she was out. And like everybody in the dugout knew that she was the last out. And she walked in and her all of her teammates are like going up to her like, oh my God, Amanda, like we love you, you know, because she's just a great person, like the best. And she literally like shoved everybody off of her and was like, somebody's up to bat right now. Like talk about the best teammate, right? Like I'm not the last out of this game. Like go cheer on so-and-so who's up next. And I was like, but like you knew inside, like that was it, you know? So I have chills talking about that story because like the fact that you can probably relate a lot of that, those thoughts, you know, to Amanda's, it's amazing. I didn't have that. I decided I was going to stop playing pro softball I knew my last about in college wasn't my last about ever because I was going to continue yeah. my career. But after two seasons, I was like, no, I'm still going to play. And then all of a sudden, like that winter, I was like, no, I'm not. But now I'm like, I don't even know what happened in my last at bat. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. I mean, well, cause I feel like there's a lot more stories like that than there are, you know, I feel like people put it on a pedestal, especially like professional athletes. Like they know when their last at bat is and like, it's a big but that doesn't mm-hmm. happen for people who like gave their life to something. And then all of a sudden it's just like, actually I can't do this anymore. Or like, Whoa, I didn't, mm-hmm. we were winning. All of a sudden, like they just had to walk off. Like, what do you mean? That's my last at bat. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm thankful. Yeah. Like, even though it was hard in that moment, I'm thankful that I was able to be like, no, this is it. And like, I'm okay with it. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like, I'm okay with whatever happens yeah. here. I think there's a lot that you can take from that, especially if you're an athlete that, you know, you have millions of at-bats left. That was totally an exaggeration. (laughs) But if you go up to bat knowing like hit, no hit, I'm going to put my best out there and see what happens. Like that just relieves a lot of pressure that I think hitters give themselves. So I'm really glad that you talked about that because shoot, that's like... I mean, there have been so many great gems in this interview already, but like, that's just like something so relatable to the now, like that there's going to be girls playing this weekend that I feel like they talk to themselves negatively too much. And like, you weren't even talking to yourself negatively. You were just like, here's reality. Here's where my feet are now. And time to go execute. Like, let's go. Let's make the most of it. Hey y'all, one of the questions that people ask me all the time, and these are parents asking me, how can my daughter gain more confidence? Well, this was asked to me at the very beginning of COVID, and I knew it was a time where athletes were struggling with their mental game. So when it comes to being confident, it really comes down to a few things. It comes down to believing in all the things and all the training that you've put into yourself and truly believing that you are worthy of making those things happen. And I am sharing some of these tips with you guys inside of this $7 Goal Smasher course. So I believe that confidence comes with having a goal and finding and seeing progress 
progress towards it. So inside the $7 Goal Smasher course, basically are 14 days worth of 30 minute exercises, which last time I checked, a lot of kids are on their phones for 30 minutes or more a day. So I feel like this could be 30 minutes well spent, especially because they're gonna see progress in themselves and their belief system. So they're 30 minute prompts from doing a check of what are the things that your athlete is great at. Sometimes athletes that suffer with confidence issues, they forget what they're great at and they only think about the things that they're not. So there's multiple exercises to work on that. There's also some exercises to simply talk and express their feelings with their parents. This is also something that's not easy for athletes to do, but when it happens, the magic happens. I swear, I cannot tell you how many people have reached out to me telling me, wow, that was powerful. I'm so glad my athlete could do that. You can just tell she got stronger today. So if your athlete needs a little boost of confidence and has 30 minutes a day for the next 14 days, I want you to head to www.ashleybtraining.com and sign up for the $7 course. It's under the train with me tab. I cannot wait to meet your athlete virtually because she's taking this program. And honestly too, I know we've talked about the Smash Tribe membership before, but Smash Tribe members get automatic access to the $7 course as well. So that's an extra perk inside the membership that you guys will have access to as well. So www.ashleybtraining.com, click on the train with me tab and let's get started on our mental skills today. With that, let's head to the rest of today's episode. Okay, we need to talk about this ESPN article. Let's do it. So Wayne's going to get the biggest shout out right now. And I know he's going to listen to this. So Wayne's going to be like, oh my God, here it is. Um, Other than my dad. He's so, he portrayed your story so beautifully, you know, like just crushed it. So anybody listening, please go to the show notes because I'm going to have the link to the interview. Not the interview, but the, the story. So powerful. Tell me what it was like seeing that article come out because it came out right by like right along the time you were playing in the women's college yeah, series uh, right what's really crazy is that it came out the friday morning of senior weekend so it was even like i don't want to say more cool but it was just like wow like all this stuff's happening right now do you know what i don't even know how to explain it it was just mm-hmm. really like whoa mm-hmm. um i was I was actually doing my friend's hair, Courtney Emanuel, who's in the article. I mean, I grew up with her, um, mm-hmm. literally met her when I was eight years old and playing softball for the first time. So finishing my career with her was wow. Being with her when she, we both found out that the article had been published. Wow. And she read it. She read it to me. It was the first time I had ever listened to it while I did her hair and uh, cause she's about to have her graduation photos taken. Mm. And I was like, Oh my God, like this, it was, it was just so chill. And it was so another piece of magic. If that makes sense. It was like, mm-hmm. I'm, it's weird hearing someone who has watched me go through all of these crazy, crazy events, hearing her read the story from this guy that I just met. And now I feel like he's family not Wayne. <laughs> and I'm having someone who is literally family read his words about my story. Like it was, it was so like, wow. 
And then I got home and I read it myself and I watched the video and I like cried, but it was like weird. It was like a good cry. I don't, it was just like, oh, this is like my life that he's telling. Like I almost, at some moments I was like, I forgot that it was me. I was like, wow, that's a great story. Like he did so good. Like he had just like written it so perfectly. I don't even I don't remember what your question was, but it was... What did it feel like? Surreal. I mean, <laughs> surreal. Yeah. And I still look at yeah. it and I'm like, what? That's me. Like, it's like, <laughs> Do you think... I'm totally giving out a spoiler, but do you think you wanting to write the memoir that you're currently writing was maybe inspired by that article a little bit? No, not at all. It's actually fun... Um, the, the first time I wanted to write a memoir was when I was sitting in the hospital, but not able to communicate with anybody. Wow. Because I remember, because wow. um, I had the situation where I could see what I wanted to say, but it would never come out. Right. So I was saying, I was like, mm. but I just was like inside my body, like couldn't vocalize anything. And I remember thinking, when I start to be able to write again, I want to write about this because this is crazy, you know? And then I was like, even if no one ever, I just want to publish it to say I did it for myself. Like, even if not three people buy it, don't care. But it was like, I'm going to do this because this is insane when I'm dealing with this right now. Like, this is crazy and I just want to do it for myself. I didn't want to forget anything. Like, that's why yeah. I wanted to write it. I didn't want to forget because people forget all the time what they've overcome. I mean, they, they do. I do it to myself. Right? I have to like hide myself up and like read my article. I'm like, I mean, not to sound braggy, but it's like people do not do that anymore. And it's so hard. Like it's hurtful to me watch, for someone for me to watch someone do that to themselves. Like we do mm. not give ourselves enough credit for what we've already overcome, which is essentially why I wanted to write it in the first place. So I told Wayne about it. He mm. put it in the article. So it was like kind of, it's just, that's fantastic. Yeah, weird full circle moment. There was this, there was this part in the article and I'm going to read it to you, even though you've probably read it a million <laughs> times, which you just, just said you did, but it was so powerful because it was just so heartfelt. Said so the process to getting to this point sucked but I don't wish it would have happened differently. That's what life is. You can't have do-overs. And like, how real is that? What happened yesterday doesn't matter anymore. Like what happens right now is all that matters. And like, because of this experience, like you've molded into the human being that like has accomplished all of these things that like, you better write that memoir. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the world needs to know this. This is why you're on this podcast. Like, holy smokes, you've been through so much. Like nobody would even go through half of the things, if a third of the things that you've been through. How many surgeries was it before you were like 17, 23? It was the 23rd was my final. Um, and it would have been more, but I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I'm out. You're like, I'm surgeried out. <laughs> But it's just so, it's so cool to be able to know somebody, first of all, that has overcome so much. And like, if I'm stuck in an alley by myself, like, I'm going to want Kendall Burton there because she's been through the oh most. Oh my God, that's so nice. <laughs> um, 
I mean, shoot, I'll, yeah. do, I'll do what I can if you're and I, we're ever together in that situation. It's like highest quality oh compliment God. I've gotten all year. I mean, it's still new, but still, that's a great compliment. <laughs> This is why I love you so much. Okay. So since this is a podcast where a lot of parents and coaches are kind of hanging out on, I really want to know what your parents, you talked about your parents a little bit about how, you know, they wanted what was best for you. And like, they were like, should you keep playing? Cause they love you. But like, tell me how they've held your hand through all of the things for you. Honestly, the best thing that they did for me was letting go of my hand with me when I needed them to because me saying that just made me kind of emotional moving forward (laughs) but it was like they wanted to do everything for me they wanted me to just come home and they wanted me to just like be safe and they wanted to call me and they and but that wasn't going to do me any good you know, I mean, I was getting bullied in middle school and in elementary school. And, you know, my mom was the one who, like, wanted to go knock on their houses and, like, yell at the parents and all this stuff. Like, she was that mom, rightfully so. But it was, like, they had together, they had to just be, like, this is not going to go away for her. Like, we can't keep, we, they never really did. But it's, like, they always felt they can't just hold my hand and say that it's never going to happen again or that it's going to be okay or that I'm not different because I was, I mean, they, and it's like, they Mm -hmm. weren't grossly like react, like it wasn't over the top giving me a dose of reality. It was just more of you can be anything you want to be like, yes, you're beautiful, but you look different. Yes. You know, you're getting bullied, but that doesn't have to change how you feel about yourself. It was more of like, they really let me maneuver my life the way that I needed to. And the way that I saw it needed to be. And that is the best thing that they ever did for me because I mean, and granted I was that kid being like, I don't want the handout, but when I needed the handout, I asked for it. Like, and they mm. would be there and they would give me what I needed. You know what I mean? Um, yes. And so Ugh. my my parents, yes. and I can't imagine, I don't have kids of my own, but I cannot imagine how hard that was for them. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine it. And my mom to this day, like, she's like, I don't know how I did it. My dad talked her off a ledge more than once. And I know he was scared too, but somebody had to like pretend like they're okay. Um, but yeah. And in a nutshell, that's the best thing they ever did was let go of my hand. Mm. I want to just highlight something you also just said about how when you needed a hand, you asked for it. I feel like too many kids out there, they don't ask for it because they're, they're like, I can do this. I can do this. And like, you were that kid, but you knew you tried. And then you probably came to a point where you're like, I can't do this part alone and I'll need somebody. And it probably took a lot of courage to do that. So commend it. I commend you for that because it takes a lot. It was, I, and I will say that I played pretend way too long. Like play, play pretend that I was okay. Like it took too many days of me not being okay to reach out. And I, I will say, I'll be the first to say that I should have spoke up sooner 
in certain times, mm-hmm. but I, I eventually did. So I don't want to like make it seem like I was like this perfect angel that like always like asked for help right when I, it was needed. But eventually I did get to that point. So it's. Yeah. And it's not like you said, it's the hardest thing to do and still have a problem with it. Like it's, it's very difficult to be. I mean, you did say you're stubborn, so oh, it yeah. makes sense. <laughs> very much so. That will reign true until I die. Like, <laughs> yes. So I, lo- so you said this in another interview. I was, I was obviously stalking you before this because I wanted to get all the details. But you talked about how softball was like your best friend. You mentioned it earlier. But the fact that it was kind of like your outlet to like deal with all of the outside world leader, like I need you to unpack that for me. So <laughs> when I think about it being like my outlet and the reason I refer to her because she's an actual being to me as my mm-hmm. best friend and stuff is because people like think about outlets, but they don't really like, they just say the surface level, Oh, it's an outlet. But an outlet is something that doesn't judge you. You can be your most comfortable self and it gives you feelings that other people cannot because you're doing it for yourself. Like that's what an outlet is. And so when I, that's why she has become softball has become like a person to me. This is why she has become my best friend, quote unquote, because she didn't make me feel judged. She didn't bully me. And if she did bully me, it was from my own doing and I could literally do something about it. You know what I mean? It wasn't like Mm. someone was yelling at me or saying something mean to me. It was like, you know, I failed, do it again. I failed, do it again. And she was my greatest teacher. I mean, she really was. It was like, you're not always going to get what you want. You can do everything perfect and do everything right, but you can still have a really crappy outcome. Like you can put all this work in and still not get to where you want to go. And like, that's why softball has just been the biggest blessing for me because I would not be the person that I am if I didn't play. I mean, granted, even if I would have ended my career, like, in high school, she still would have been my biggest teacher. You know what I mean? It was, she, I have so many, I mean, honestly, losing the sport has been harder on me than some of the things I've even mentioned, like, my actual life events. Mm -hmm. Because she, you know, not having that anymore has been, I mean, I don't know where to, it's almost like I didn't know where to turn whenever things get hard right. now. And I'm sure mm-hmm. you can relate to that too. Even if you did choose to like finish your career, like I didn't necessarily choose, like I was a senior, it is what it is. But not having that anymore is, I mean, it's really tough, even if you're prepared. Right. The good news is you're still coaching and you're still in it and you can like share those life lessons. Like your athletes, are you kidding me? They're probably learning more about life through you than like anything. <laughs> Sometimes else. I feel that way. I'm like, are you actually getting better at softball? I don't know. But let's like make you a better person. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we all should be that way. So I'm all about that. All about that. Man, this has been so much fun. So much fun. Tell the world what you're up to right now. 
And then we mentioned the memoir, but yeah. Uh, so as I mentioned before, doing coaching, private coaching, uh, I am a fitness, a group fitness instructor. So where at? was that? Uh, Revolution at? Studio. It's a studio based in Houston. It's cycle strength and yoga. I'm on the strength side. I'm actually about to go through cycle training though. So that's exciting. Oh, Looking forward to yeah. that. Uh, I also manage a Pilates studio, so I'm a studio manager for them. And I mean, my biggest goal is to be a motivational speaker. Eventually, you know, COVID kind of threw me off course, which is totally fine. You know, it'll happen when it happens. That's basically what I'm just doing is trying to be present, you know, take the opportunities that I have right when I can manage the studio when I need to, I mean, put my all into making an impact wherever I can. That's just kind of just trying to be where my feet are is what I'm doing now. Yeah. I love that. So where can people find you if they want to continue your whole journey on Instagram and all All right. Come follow me at at Kenny Grace, K-E-N-I Grace on Instagram. Um, You can be my friend on Facebook. I actually have a page on there called the toughest out where I just kind of like post about speaking events and my athletes and how they're doing and their success. And I mean, that's honestly, I'm not on Twitter ever. I should probably get back on that, but we'll, we'll do it eventually. One of these days I'll make some really cool TikToks about my story and maybe they'll go viral. Who knows? But until then, Instagram and Facebook is where you can find me. Okay, so we just brushed over the toughestout.com, but I remember sitting in a car at a package deal event and you were going over the website you were building and the whole reason behind the words, the toughest out. And that was the article's name, the ESPN article. I need you to describe to the universe, what the heck does the toughest out mean to you? Well, for a long time, it was just what Wayne called me. Like it, like it was just the nicest Mm -hmm. compliment anyone's ever given me, you know? But now when I think about it with my own life, I think the toughest out is just a person who can be gritty and work toward things, even if they have no idea when they're going to come, who's vulnerable in certain situations, but you know, not afraid to peel back those layers if it's necessary. Just someone who just like never shuts up and never gives up is honestly what the toughest out means to me. And it's not just me. I mean, it's literally billions of us who are the toughest out. Mm -hmm. I just coined it because Wayne called me that. So, (laughs) No, I love it. And you never take no for an answer. Yeah, I hate it. (laughs) It's like really Rightfully so. Very challenging. Rightfully so. Very triggering for me. (laughs) Yeah. This may be a tough question, but I really want, I'm really excited to hear what you say about this. But if you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Um, Obviously, would be resilient. Uh, One would be stubborn. Because I really need to, I I mean, I am very stubborn. It's something. Um, And then, honestly, I think another word I would like to say is magic, even though it's not necessarily something that describes a person, you could say, but it's what I want to exude to other people versus, Mm. and so it's like, 
like I want anytime I have an encounter with someone, I want them to feel like, wow, you know, she's genuine. She's like, like almost like undescribable, which is what magic is. So that's, mm-hmm. and maybe that's just what I want for myself. So that's what I am putting that out there as my third. <laughs> well, I get to experience this firsthand and I would definitely go with a third one would be probably the favorite for me. Magic is truly something that you exude. Oh, thank you. Nice. For sure. And now everybody's <laughs> feeling it now on this podcast. I, so. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, before I send you off, I never want to send you off. I could keep recording with you for another three hours if we wanted, but my computer would die. So here we are. But I want to ask you five final questions. I call them five to thrive. Literally so cheesy. I like it. No, I like it a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So give me whatever answer that you feel comes to you for these. Okay. Okay? All right. What's your favorite thing about the game? How hard it is. Honestly. Good answer. What's the greatest lesson your parents ever taught you? Uh, just because something looks different doesn't mean that it it truly is. Can you can you elaborate? Basically, things? like don't uh, don't read a book like just by its cover. Yeah. Mm. What's one thing you would tell your twelve year old self? It's always going to get better. That's what I would tell her. Mm. These are such <laughs> good answers, and they're so short. I love it. Um, <laughs> Who's your biggest role model and why? Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Unpopular opinion. It's not an athlete, but my biggest role model is Ellen. Like, I'm sorry, but everything says that she's just always herself and she always apologizes when it's necessary. Like she just is a good human. Like I, she can't do anything wrong to me and she's, she's not an athlete. And that's why I like her so much. I don't want to, I just, I love her. Yeah. Good answer. I've never heard that one before, but I love it. All right. Last question. What do you want your legacy to be? I just want my legacy to be someone that always tried really hard and made other people want to try. Well, you're doing it. I'm trying. I mean, I'm trying. (laughs) I know you are. You're doing it in everything that you do. That memoir, your coaching, even all of the workouts that you're doing and leading like that's it's so evident that like this is something that you're just made to do is that is show people that like never give up thank you like it's the best version of you's on the other side like I love it all right well I don't want this interview to ever end (laughs) but you have been such a joy to have on the podcast just keeping it real sharing your vulnerable story with the world nobody's going to ever have a story like that. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about you and like anybody going through something right now, like that's, it's your superpower and no one can ever take it away. So thank you for sharing it. It's, it's going to change some lives. Thank you so much for having me. I've been patiently waiting to get on here. I've missed you. And like, (laughs) this is, you know, I literally live for this stuff. So I like love it. Yeah. And thank you. It's a long time coming. My goodness. Well, I'm excited for you to get back to motivational speaking and changing the world because the world needs to hear your story. Love you, girl. Love you. All right. How much do you love this girl? Oh my gosh. The story about how softball is her best friend and greatest teacher, how she talked about 
how she was stubborn, but she believes that's what gave her an edge and what helped her turn those no's into yeses. And the fact that she's writing a memoir. She's in her mid-20s writing a memoir. What an inspirational story. I know there's so much that you can unpack with your athlete on this one. Wowza. I wanna hear your thoughts. Please go to the ABT community on Facebook and tell me what you think. Or just leave a review and tell me what you think. And if you do it, maybe go on Instagram and tag me so I can give you a shout out and thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast is my baby. I love it so dearly because I get to have people like Kendall on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm excited for you guys to see what's coming up next on the pod next week. But until then, your dreams are yours. Make them happen. See you later.